Welcome back to QAV. This is episode 532. We're recording this 1.41pm, Tuesday, the 16th of August, 2022. Bloody day in the markets today, TK. Well, for some of our stocks anyway. How are you, TK? I'm good. Good. It's been a tough reporting season, though, in some aspects, for sure. Yeah. The market is actually up today, but a couple of big stocks have had bad annual reports come out, which has tanked them massively. We'll get into that later on. But what else is going on in your world? You're going away on vacation, TK. I am. I'm heading off to the, well, hopefully sunny climbs of Fiji. Although I think it's raining over there at the moment. It's finally cleared up in Sydney and I'm going to go and fly to a country where it's raining. Spend a, a week week in your hotel room just watching the, the monsoons outside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I went a golf trip in the tournament about three years ago now and haven't been able to go because of COVID. So we're heading off uh, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I thought you were going because it was your lovely wife's birthday, but you're going on a golf trip. Well, she was invited, but she's going to go to Perth next week instead to visit some friends over there. Oh, she's not coming to Fiji? No, no. Oh, I thought you were taking her away for a birthday. <laughs> no, no, I'm going with a buddy. We're playing golf. You said it's Jenny's birthday and I'm going to Fiji, and I thought those two were connected. No, it's her birthday and you're getting out of town. Wow. Yeah, so it's her birthday tomorrow, my lovely wife's birthday. Happy birthday, Jenny. So we're going out tonight because I'm going to leave at, like, Sparrow's Fart tomorrow to the airport. Oh, happy birthday. I'm going to Fiji. <laughs> yeah. And then when when I get back, we sort of tag and she jumps on a plane and flies to Perth to go down to the Margaret River with a friend who's having her 60th birthday down there. So she's got lots of girlfriends flying over there for that. Wow. And and then Ruddy's coming up to stay with me while Jenny's away. So <laughs> Of course he is. <laughs> uh, you know, if I said to Chrissy, if Chrissy's birth, it was her birthday and I said, bye, I'm going to Fiji on a boys' trip, oh, I would be divorced by the time I got back, I tell you. Hence, we're going out tonight to a really nice restaurant and a gallery beforehand to buy her a birthday present. So uh, hopefully I'll be enough in the good books. Uh, Good luck with that, TK. You forgot your wedding anniversary this year too, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was at Cape Shank. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't like the sound of this. I don't like the sound. I lose track of days and times at Cape Shank. It's good. It's good that way. Well, uh, let's get into the business at hand. Let's see, what have I got on my notes to talk about? Oh, there's a nice little article. Matt Taibbi, my favourite renegade journalist in the US, in his newsletter the other day, he had this thing about uh, the US economy, which I thought was interesting. Signs of the coming economic horror accrue. Despite a spate of unconvincing reassurances to the contrary, evidence of approaching disaster continues to accumulate. Americans, particularly those under 25, are overwhelmed by basic costs and spent spring and summer digging bigger holes for themselves via record levels of consumer borrowing. Federal Reserve stats this week showed a staggering 233 million credit card accounts were opened in the second quarter. That's two-thirds of the population. The most since 2008, while a just as staggering $46 billion was added to credit card balances during that same period, household debt passed $16 trillion for the first time, while overall credit card debt has jumped $100 billion this calendar year. Well, so much for the uh, quad pay and after pay and Klarna and all those companies 
weaning millennials off credit card debt. It's uh, it hasn't worked. Yeah, you can't accuse Matt Taibbi of understatement, though, can you? Signs of the coming economic horror. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about him. He really is a gonzo journalist in the great tradition of, yeah, Hunter Thompson. Hunter, Hunter, S. Hunter S. Thompson? Yeah, Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, why did that, gee, I can even name my kid after him and I can't even remember his name. That's sad. <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, I know our economy isn't necessarily tracks alongside the US, but the US economy does obviously have a big impact on us. Those aren't good signs for an economy. I know that we've come out of a recession. No, sorry, we've come out of the, the COVID thing and the economy over there has been wavering, but uh, that's, a, that's a really bad sign at this juncture. I don't know, is it? What's the context for all that? So people have put more onto their credit cards, but you mentioned $46 billion. Is that 1%, 10%, 100% increase? I don't know. A lot of credit card debt over there. He said it's staggering. So <laughs> he thinks it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's hard to know without knowing the context. And like you said, the credit card debt has jumped $100 billion this calendar year. Again, is that a lot? The US is a pretty big market, so uh, I don't know. Well, he did say the household debt has passed $16 trillion for the first time, so $46 billion to $16 trillion is not much, right? If household debt is sixteen trillion, forty-six billion has been added to the credit card balances in terms of overall household debt. I guess that's uh, not a lot. Yeah. So I don't know what the context is. I mean, there's so much going on in the US at the moment in the economic space that's hard to know what's going on. So inflation is high, but it seems to have peaked, and some people are saying it could be coming down, which is why the stock market has, has rallied over there. But this, if household, I mean, household debt's always going to increase. It doesn't go backwards. It, you know, it's just going to be driven by growth in the economy and house prices and all that kind of stuff. So growth in the population too. Right? Yeah, that's right. So I, mean, I don't again, I don't know what that signifies. I was just just posting those numbers by themselves. It's hard to get a context. But yeah, if people are, for example, I mean, if I can draw a long bow here and say that what Matt Taibbi is saying is that people are becoming more indebted because the cost of living is going up in the States and that's a problem. However, if the CPI is now peaking and might come down, then there's still going to be a, a credit balance or a debt balance that people have to pay off, but it may not be an ongoing problem. So it's, it's, it's pretty hard to read in the States at the moment. It all hinges on whether inflation keeps going up, which of course hinges on so many things like global, global political problems in Ukraine and Straits of China, all that kind of stuff. So, Well, we'll have Tobias Carlyle back on the show next week and uh, we can ask him what he thinks is going on over there. He can put some context on it. Yeah. I honestly think it's, it's everyone's got an opinion, but I don't think no one knows really what's going on over there or can predict it. I mean, you can tell what's going on, but, you know, like it was, what, six months or 12 months ago when inflation started to appear, that everyone was going, all the economists were saying, oh, it's temporary, right? And in the last few months, it's been, oh, no, it's permanent. It's going to get worse. And now it's, oh, no, it could be temporary. It's like they're just blowing in the wind. Well, we can ask the President of the United States what he thinks, and I, I don't mean Joe Biden, I mean the other President. I don't know if you know that, but um, at one point in 2020, somewhere between 2020 and 2021, 
Uh, Scott Morrison secretly made himself president of the United <laughs> States, along with every other job. Uh, my, my, my take on this, by the way, is he was he knew he was going to lose the next election, and he was just trying to fatten up his CV and go, "Look, I've had I've been the health minister, I was the finance minister, I was the home affairs minister, I was you name it. I've I've done it all. I'm I'm well rounded. I've done everything." Not just Scotty from marketing now. Did you ever watch The Late Show back in the 90s? Of course. I love The Late Show. I've been watching YouTube clips of it recently, actually. Oh, me too. But the John Fay sketch when he was he was state premier, but he was also took over minister for the Olympics and a few other things. And then the Late Show sketch was, uh, so who's going to run the Olympics? I'll do that. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> Keep putting his hand up. I'll do that. <laughs> who's running the trains, Mr. Fay? I'll do that. That's <laughs> like Scotty from marketing. <laughs> like, I, I get that, that whole thing. I mean, okay, it was a backup plan for COVID, which was unprecedented. What happens if the health minister falls ill and can't do their, you know, execute their abilities? But why not tell people? Why did it have to be secret? Particularly the ministers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And in some cases, there were junior ministers anyway who could step up and take the role over in the sort of natural cause of events. So, <laughs> and he said, "Oh, I just assume my department told them." Like, really? This this seems like a pretty big thing that you would want to be, you know. Oh, you want? I think that deserves when you when you take somebody's job. Uh, I think you know uh, maybe a phone call, maybe a, you know at least. I think, hey, uh, Tony, I'm taking over your job. <laughs> what was the governor general thinking? Scotty rocks up, I don't know what time of day it was, on the choir. Here, sign here. I'm taking over the country. Oh, righty, yeah? Yeah, sure. <laughs> what, a, what a cowboy. Back to business. Gold became a sell. Gold AUD became a sell this week. I think it was a sell a couple of weeks ago, and then it nosed above its sell price last week, and it's back below it again. Oh, Okay. But I see that you sold uh, West African resources out of your portfolio. I did. took me a little while because it kept going up and down, but I sold out and sold out of Perseus PRU as well. I did that a couple of weeks ago, actually, the first time gold became a sell. Right. Well, just a note to everybody out there, if you're sitting on gold stocks, might be worth uh, just uh, having a think about that. If gold is, could become a sell, probably not a good sign. Yeah, it's strange. Gold price has been up for a while now, but it does seem strange that we're having high inflation and the gold price is going down. That's fairly unusual. Usually a hedge against things like that, right? Correct. All right, well, to reporting season, I saw in the fin this morning, market turmoil wipes 57% off Challenger CGF net profits. Challenger, big, uh, big hit. Uh, I, I posted before the market opened on the Facebook group, keep an eye on it. And then I went to Kung Fu and had lunch and came back and had a look at it. And it was down 14%. It's down 14.5% today. So I had to sell that out of my super. And uh, I think we've got it in a couple of our portfolios. I'm going to have to dump it out of as well when we get off the call. Yeah, I've done the same, sold out of it too. Disappointing. It was um, That was the great white hope for me. I thought it might attract a bid because it's got a couple of large shareholders who are patiently sitting on about, I think, 17% of the company, something like that. Maybe it will now after the share price has tanked a bit. I think I still got out of it at a profit. It had been doing quite well, but that's a that's a big chunk. So, you know, how come we didn't get any warning of this during confession season? Mm, we certainly should have. So watch this space. There could be a class action if there was no continuous disclosure. 
we might make our money back in a couple of years when the, when the lawyers all grind their way through. Oh, nice. And you give half to them. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about this thing in the fin, though. It said um, net profit fell 57% to $253.7 million, blah, blah, blah. Later on, though, it says Challenger said its normalised net profit was $472 million, up 19% from a year ago, and at the upper end of its 430 to $480 million guidance. And the company lifted its full-year dividend 15% to $0.23 cents a share. I thought those, when I read this this morning, I thought those two things might be a buffer to the price getting whacked. What's a normalised net profit mean? Yeah, so I haven't had a chance to pull it apart yet, but there's something they've had to take a write-down on. Is this Charlie Munger bullshit earnings here? <laughs> bullshit economics? Well, bullshit accounting? Is normalised that what are bullshit earnings. They're basically saying if I take out all the things that lost money, this is what I would have made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did really well. If you, if you ignore all those things, don't look over there, look into my eyes. Don't look around my eyes, look into my eyes. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. You know, marketing the Messiah made a lot of money, Tony. If you, if you if you don't look at the fact that it didn't make any money, it actually made a lot of money. If you ignore the fact that it didn't make any money. Yeah, if you ignore the costs. <laughs> and, and the fact that it didn't make any money. You ignore those things, it did really well. I'm just trying to work out what it was, but uh, what I think is happening is there was some, uh, a write-down was taken on, on an asset, which isn't the cash, doesn't affect the cash bottom line for profit which is the normalised profit. Sometimes it's called profit from continuing business or something like that. But uh, So it's a statutory profit, which is the means they've had a write-down. And I haven't been able to work out where it is yet. I know they I just skimmed through the article before the show. They bought a bank two years ago, which has underperformed. So I think they may, they may have been writing down the goodwill on that, but I'm not sure exactly what the write-down's for. Well, the market didn't give two shits, apparently. They just said, nah, boom, 15%, I know. gone. Seems a Oof. bit of an overreaction, but anyway. It does. Yeah, it does. But it, it breached our three-point trend line, so we have dumped it. And we don't we don't have normalised or statutory trend lines. It's just rules are rules. <laughs> rules is rules. Yep. And if you accountants want to get together and debate it, go ahead. But <laughs> our rules are our rules. So let me just uh, have a look at the dummy portfolio while I'm here. Uh, CGF is in the dummy portfolio. I'm going to have to get rid of that when we get off the call. Let me see. So since uh, inception, 18.01% per annum CAGR since uh, September 2019 versus the ASX 200 up 6.81% per annum over the same period. So we're still doing three times better. Then the uh, 200 over that period of time. However, if I look at this financial year, we're still trailing by a vanishing point drive. <laughs> the 200 is 12.22% this financial year, which is insane. It's up 12% since July. What? It's in five weeks. What is it? Six weeks. We're up 5.35%, which is more normal for that period of time. So I think that's okay. We're doing Okay but not compared to the All Lords last six weeks. And CGF's not helping. Bloody hell, Challenger, what have you done to us? Somebody asked me yesterday if BPT is the new uh, Apollo Tourism. I, th I think Challenger might be the new uh, Apollo Tourism. No, it's done far better. Uh, not as BPT. Well, we have bought and sold it twice now, I think, so it's getting close. 
Apollo, I think we bought three or four times, didn't we, and had to sell it and lost each time. Well, look, with this this run on Challenger, we bought it in February for $7.08. It's now $6.08. So uh, that's not good. We would have gotten a dividend along the way, though, but, yeah, still not good. Yeah, we did get we did get a uh, forty two dollars in dividends, but still. Anyway, that's the portfolio report. Mortgage rates have moved. We need to change our mortgage rates again, TK. Yeah. So I did a quick survey. I did one last week after the RBA raised rates, and the the banks hadn't changed much, so I didn't bother updating the spreadsheet. And they haven't changed much this week yet either. But we were using five point one four as our percent as our average of the, the big banks' mortgage rates, standard variable rates, and it's risen to 5.25 this week. So a couple of the major banks haven't passed on the, all of the RBA increase or, or perhaps had already passed it on and didn't, then didn't do it again. But anyway, it's gone up a little bit. So 5.25 is the new rate to use. And if people are using my version of the spreadsheet, it's in cell AW32 in the uh, top scorers page as well as the uh, download page. And in the AF, you just go into the tab that has all of the variables in it, I think, and you change it in there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else you got to talk about today? Well, sorry, before we move on from performance, the just wanted to point out that there are the top performers in the VEXA in our dummy portfolio were NHC up 8.6% and FEX up 8.6%. Good old FEX. Hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting iron ore is going up. Uh, and iron ore stock is going up because iron ore is going down still as a commodity. It's like gold, right? Yeah, and and this I don't know I haven't I don't know why Phoenix is is doing that FEX, but it's a bit like uh, West African Resources. The gold price was a sell, but they came out with a a resource upgrade, like their asset upgrade. So that's why the price rose with them. So it can still happen on a, on a company by company basis that goes up when the commodity is coming down. But overall, we sell anyway. Yeah. Well, the big news this week for me has just been company reporting season. So people should be doing downloads. I've been doing them daily just to keep a, a tab on what's going on. I'm, I'm still trying to get uh, all my cash back into the market. So I'm looking for things to buy. And we kind of have good days and there are lots of things to buy. And then we have days like today where I scratch my head and go, what, what can I buy? But people should be aware that there are new companies coming onto the buy list. And we put out the buy list weekly, but um, they could probably do a midweek download and have a look as well, because I have found a couple, certainly in the large cap space, have come on and I've been buying. And then there's um, a few coming on in the small cap space. But there's a lot of new figures in, in Stock Doctor and in the, the download spreadsheet for companies that um, we've been talking about and we've owned in the past or in the dummy portfolio. Companies like Gemworth, Combank, Suncorp, AMP, JB Hi-Fi has spoken about Beach Energy and Challenger, which are both sales now based on the latest results. We didn't touch on Beach, but um, I was, I mean, I'm a shareholder until this morning when I sold, but uh, it's a disappointment because they had that big write down about 12 to 18 months ago, which really shocked the market when I last owned it and got uh, got sold out then, stopped out then. And uh, new management and they kept saying, no, no, we'll be conservative and it'll all be all right. And then they've come out again with another disappointing result. So that's a second strike for, for Beach. It's um, it's not looking good. And again, no confession season warning. That's correct. This was coming. just comes, yeah. It's surprising. That surprise factor is why the, the share price is dropping. 
but yeah, but particularly uh, irking when it comes to beach because they knew that they should have known that any sort of bad news wasn't going to be received well, and they should have been doing something to try and guide people or soften up the market in advance of releasing those results. I can't imagine that the Stokes are going to sit still for it. So they own a chunk of um, beach energy and uh, their playbook isn't to sit still when when a company keeps underperforming like this. So I'm not sure what they'll do, but uh, I'm sure they'll be fairly active in the in the company trying to fix it. So that's company reporting season. Keep a look at Keep a lookout, people. It's changing every day. Sorry, before you move on, can I ask you about, yep. you mentioned GMA, CBA, Sun, etc. I ran a uh, financials update report on Stock Doctor this morning and I didn't see those come up. I just looked at it from yesterday to today because I figured anything that came out last week would have been included in the buy list that we did over the weekend. But they didn't show up when I ran it this morning and I wasn't sure if that's because they were came out last week or they came out last week. So GMA, uh, AMP, I'm not sure about Suncorp and CBA, but they came out last week. So your financial update section of Stock Doctor, you can select the date range, but if you go down far enough, you'll probably find them in your list. I just, well, I figured I didn't need to do a buy list to look for those today because they would be in the buy list that came out yesterday morning because we got the financials last week. So I'm just looking for stuff that's come out since the buy list went out on Monday. So yesterday and, yeah, today. Yeah. Okay. So you wouldn't see GMA and Suncorp in that CBR perhaps, but it is, it's being updated every day. So just be, just be aware of that. The other thing to be aware of if you're buying and selling, which, which I'm doing at the moment based on the results, is to watch out for ex-dividend dates. So uh, be aware that if you buy, for example, something today, it may go ex-dividend in a couple of days' time and the share price might drop. Don't be alarmed. Just add the dividend back in before you make your decision on whether you should sell or not. And likewise, you may want to wait until that drop occurs because you're not interested in the dividend. You might want to take the gamble and delay for a few days and, and buy ex-dividend, which will be cheaper. And just a reminder on the rules around that, because I had to remind myself on this last week, I think, if we own a stock and it goes below its rule one or three-point trend line sell trigger, and it is about to go ex-dividend but hasn't yet, even if it's going to go ex-div tomorrow, and if we own it, we will get the dividend, you've told me in the past we sell anyway, we don't wait for it to go ex-div because when it goes ex-div, the price will normally go down the value of the dividend and it'll be even further below. And if it's already below the, the sell line, then when it goes ex-div, it's going to be worse. So we sell. We don't hold on to get the dividend. Correct. So Challenge is a good example of that. It'll go ex-dividend uh, in a week or so, I would think. And that dividend, it's a reasonable yield, so it's worth something. But that's already factored into the share price. So I would expect it to drop again once the company goes ex-dividend. So uh, something else to watch is the price of nickel, the commodity. I had a look at that on the weekend. It's getting close to a buy. So it's been a it's been in a steep downtrend the last month or so. It's just started to have a less steep downtrend. It's still a Josephine, but it's getting close to to turning up and being a buy again. And uh, who are the nickel companies in Australia that we need to uh, that usually would would benefit from that? Yeah, so the one that uh, that I've owned in the past is Nickel Mines NIC. Nick Scarley. That's, no NIC Nick Nickel Mines. It's a joke. Nickel oh. Scarley is n- n- nickel <laughs> no. company. NCK. No. <laughs> Come on, okay, Tony. Gotcha. Keep up. 
Try and keep, keep up. <laughs> I'm on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. I'm having a look at the list of all the nickel companies. Companies. Just trying to see what looks familiar. Wow, there's a lot of them. So some of those will just be part nickel, though, won't they? Like, which ones are you looking at? Well, Rio, S32. Rio, S32. I don't know how big a deal nickel is for Rio. Is it a big deal? Not, not big, no. Maybe small. South 32, probably not big part of them either. Sandfire Resources. Sandfire is copper, so nickel won't be a big part of them either. Mm. A lot of miners will have some nickel, but the, um, companies like Nickel Industries will have a lot. Nickel Industries, NIC. Yeah, okay. All right, nickel. It's good to know. Hey, I did. I tell you, I don't think it's in our show notes, but I did see um, what was something I bought yesterday. There was a Mineral Sands uh, player, BSE Base Resources. I wanted to ask you about this because I had a look at their what what these mineral sands are that they deal in, and a um, lot of lot of uh, elements that I, I, I've never heard of before went over my head. Pure mineral sands, and I went looking for a bit of a commodity uh, price on these things. Yeah, it's hard to find. I couldn't find anything, yeah. I struggled before too. Titanium oxide is the one I'd normally use, but that's even difficult to get a graph for that. They've got this mine, the Qualia or Quali mine in the Toliara project in Madagascar. Ilmenite. I don't know what the hell Ilmenite is. <laughs> you know what, Il- what do you do with Ilmenite? I don't know. Is a titanium, hmm, titanium iron oxide mineral. There you yeah, go. Yeah, that's the big one. So yeah, I, I went looking for a while to try and find uh, that and and the other things that they dig out. Couldn't find really any anything to go by. Zircon. There we go. Rutile, mm-hmm. ilmenite, and zircon. I obviously skipped those classes in chemistry. Rutile is igneous, accessory mineral in igneous rocks. There you go. But it's more common in schists and gneisses. Our geologist members like Mark Dugmore are going to be listening, just shaking their head and going, oh, you're such an idiot. <laughs> the, German, the German mineral, schist and nice. Yeah. I know about schisms in the Catholic Church, but I don't know about <laughs> schists in rock. And what was the other one? Oh, zircon. Well, I know what zircon is. Yeah, just be careful with zircon because it's zircon rutile. So if you look for a graph on zircon, it might give you the fake diamonds, the the man-made diamonds. Oh, that's different. Different zircon, yeah. Zirconium silicate. Maybe, Mark, you need to come on and tell us what these things are. Well, I know titanium oxide is a a feeder into paint, like house paint. So that's I think that's probably its major use, although I know some of them some of those minerals you've mentioned can get used in silicon chip manufacturing, but the, the main thing is paint. So no good on that. Oh, and, sorry, and glass, and glass. Right. So if anyone knows where we can get uh, commodity prices for those things, uh, let us know. I'm sure Mark knows. Well, we've got, a lot, of, we got a, a lot of mining guys that probably know. Yeah, well, that's good if they can tell us. I think we looked into it once before, didn't we? Mm, I think you did, yeah. I couldn't remember what you said. I think Rutile was the one to focus on from memory. I haven't looked at it for a while. I know about the Russells. It's not connected <laughs> to the Russells. Uh, Let me just call up Index Mundi quickly and see if I can find something there for you. All you need is cash. Yeah, I remember that. That was funny. <laughs> Rutland Weekend TV. Dirk McQuickly. Quickly. <laughs> <laughs> 
we're talking about Eric Idle for people who never <laughs> not familiar with him, but he was a yeah. great little starring uh, George Harrison too as the interviewer. Yeah, I can't see uh, a graph in Mix Monday, so I, I remember it last time being hard to find. Okay, sorry for that little uh, sidetrack there. Yeah, so well, uh, what else have we got to talk about? I was going to do a pulled pork on on Sunland Group, which was a request from a listener a couple of weeks ago, and. I will do that now. I guess the first thing to talk about with Sunland Group is it's in wind down phase, which I think was the reason why the listener asked for it to be put under the microscope. So here you go. So Sunland Group is a Queensland property developer and it's been around uh, since the 90s. I think as a private company before that, they build both high rises and residential housing. They built a lot on the Gold Coast and um, into northern New South Wales and I guess into going north towards Brisbane. They were responsible for Q1, which was the tallest residential building in Australia, perhaps the world for a while. Uh, they built the Palazzo Versace in the Gold Coast. So they've had a quite a good career of developing iconic buildings as well as residential um, housing development. The whole time it's been uh, helmed by a guy called Sol Abedian and Sol is short for Sahil. Obedience. I think from memory, he's Iranian. Anyways, he's um, from somewhere in the Middle East. He's had, uh, he was a trained architect overseas, but then couldn't get his credentials recognised in Australia when he came out in the 80s and started um, building houses to pay the rent and went from there, one of the sort of immigrant success stories. The company has been controlled by him since it listed, and he's now the executive chairman and his son is the MD, and they still retain quite a large shareholding in the company. So it's a classic owner-founder story. It's had its ups and downs, not because of anything to do with management, but just that's the sort of cycle of the property industry. And I think it dropped as low as something like 30 cents a share during the GFC, but it's now back up to around 255-ish. So uh, you could have picked it up for um, peanuts like 10, 10, 15 years ago. The big news for them now is that uh, Sol has come out and said he's going to wind down the company. And he said this about 12 to 18 months ago, and he said it would take about three years. So he's getting to retirement age, and his plan is to sell off all their assets, finish off all their current developments, which is getting close to, to happening. So they've realized a lot of sales in the last 12 months. They've still got a couple of projects which are near completion and they're selling well and they'll settle towards the end of this year. And after that, they plan to pay off their debt with the proceeds from the sales and then return whatever's left to the shareholders, either by special dividend, which they've done twice now in the last uh, nine months or so, or by some kind of capital return. So I guess in a nutshell, if you're looking to buy this company, know that it's not going to be a long-term hold. It's going to basically cease to exist in the next sort of one to two years, if not even sooner. And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week, runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. It's where Tony answers questions from our club members. If you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have, invites to the dinners, Zoom calls, etc., etc., 
uh, sign up for the two-week free trial and check out all that stuff out. You can do that at qavpodcast.com.au. Look for the um, free trial button there. And if you uh, like the idea of value investing QAV style but don't feel like you have the time or resources to uh, you know, learn how to do QAV for yourself, think about signing up for QAV Lite. That's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week. And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio. And if they become a sell, we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Um, check that out too. Um, it's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you? But, uh, you know, while he's not, <laughs> we can do this. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. Um, that's it. Um, if you don't want to sign up to any of those, just keep listening to the free episodes. And if you have any questions, uh, shoot me an email. you find that on our website too. All right. Have a great week and good luck with your investing. QAV Podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217182. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.